Welcome back to Naming in an AI Age with Namestormers. I am here again this week with our CEO and founder, Mike Carr. Welcome, Mike. Good morning. <laughs> we talked a little bit last week about how to pitch a name, our Namestormers technique for different companies. And this week, we're going to talk about um, the I'll know it when I see it concept, which has been popping up a lot with some of our more entrepreneurial clients, I think. Would you agree with that? Well, it's probably one of the most frustrating things that anyone faces when they go through a naming exercise, right? Is that your your customer, your target, you know, whether it's internal or external, is expecting to see a name that just blows them out of the water. Mm -hmm. And it just doesn't happen that way. And so, yes, it is a very frustrating part of uh, a naming engagement for ourselves, many other agencies, and probably for anyone that's doing an internal naming exercise. So what do you think is running through a client's head when they are starting the process and maybe they, well, some different criteria that they think initially makes a good name before they engage with an outside? Um, right. The biggest problem is it's usually not an apples to oranges comparison. I think that's probably when you think about all the different um, projects that we've gone through, all the different agencies that we've talked to about this problem, inevitably they're taking an existing name with all the context and all the story and all the familiarity and they're comparing it to a brand new name. And, and no, no brand new name that doesn't have the advantages of all that history is going to fare very well at all in that comparison. And, and so there, there are many, many examples of this. I mean, one of them is, you know, Airbnb. Well, folks have told us, we want a name like Airbnb. And I say, well, okay, why? <laughs> and they say, because it says exactly what it is. And I would pause there and say, I don't think it does at all, right? When I first saw Airbnb, I thought it was an airline. I had no idea what it was. Now, once you understand the story, it does make sense, but you have to see it in context, or you have to hear the story or the 30-second elevator pitch. And unfortunately, once folks get used to almost any name, they don't make that conscious association. It's subconscious. And so they automatically have all these great associations, visuals, you know, advertisements um, associated with an existing name. And they're expecting this brand new name that has none of that to sort of pop and resonate with them like that existing name and it flat just doesn't happen. Yeah. And there are some names that like you're saying, Airbnb says exactly some clients think it says exactly what it is. There are some names that lean more descriptive. So can you talk about some of the different types of names that one can develop or begin to invest in like the, the telegraphic versus coined? Can you elaborate a little bit more on those differences? Yeah, and, and part of it is, is how broad your focus is. So if you have a very narrow service offering or a very narrow product, then you might be able to come up with a more descriptive, short, real-world name mm. that works great. And, and an example that we talked about um, on a project recently was Grab Taxi. Mm -hmm. So Grab is a great name you know, for a taxi company. And I would argue that Lyft is also a great name uh, much better than Uber, right? Because Lyft and Grab both speak to this idea that, well, I need a Lyft, I want to grab a taxi, right? So it sort of is the 
the verb or the action or the state that comes to mind that you you need. The challenge with those types of names are getting them through trademark, mm. securing the .com, securing all the social media handles and everything else. And you have to ignore some of the issues. So one of the issues that clients always ask us about is, well, does it have any off-putting meaning? Well, grab is a bit negative, especially for gals, right? I mean, they're already a little bit concerned about this stranger that's going to pick them up. And grab as in grab and, you know, haul me away, kidnap me, who knows what, right? So there are some negative associations with that name. I'm not saying it's not a great name, but in a naming exercise, clients often want to discuss, well, what could it possibly be associated with, right? What possible off-putting? And so the name never even makes it out of the chute. Uh, had that happened with Amazon, it would never have made it out of the chute. Had that discussion occurred with Apple, it would never have made it out of the chute. I don't think there's any brand name out there today that if you don't consider the potential it has and discount some of the possible, and I put possible in quotes because it often never happens, yeah. you know, some of those possible other associations, um, you know, it makes for a much more difficult naming exercise. So a narrow focus like a car service or a taxi service, those mm -hmm. shorter, more descriptive names are much easier to get through legal. And I think a name like Grab Taxi is brilliant, even though it does have some off-putting meanings, I wouldn't say that would be the reason to nix that kind of a name. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So what do you think personally makes a good name from all of your years of experience? Or what are, your, what are a couple of names out there today that are some of your favorites? Well, a name that is a bit controversial, I think, is something you should you should try to get as opposed to a safe name. And that that's unfortunately um, a challenge for our larger clients because they have all kinds of internal branding guidelines and naming guidelines that they have to adhere to. And a name that's too edgy or raises a few eyebrows often doesn't get it through their, their committees. Yeah. But those are the types of names that engage consumers in today's digital, you know, AI-driven world. It's so noisy. There's just so much clutter. It's hard to get anyone's attention. And when you think about AI in particular, and, and there are there are dozens, if not hundreds, of AI name generation tools out there today, and, and there seem to be multiplying like rabbits. Every time we go out and look, you know, there's a, a bunch more. Um the names they generate are very similar to a lot of the names that are out there already. Mm. And so to continue to cut through the clutter, and you think about, well, let's talk about naming in the future. To really come through with something that's going to grab that attention, one of the challenges that, or one of the, one of the paths maybe, is to come up with something that's a little bit more controversial or a little bit edgy, but not so much so that it offends a great portion of your target. And there are many examples. One example is Boom Cons Cosmetics. So Boom Cosmetics is a cool Gen Z or millennial kind of name. Boom as in, wow, your face really pops. You know, you put on your makeup and everybody's going to go, boy, do you look good, right? Okay, well, boom as in a bomb, <laughs> right? So a lot of our clients would say, oh, we can't really call this thing Boom Cosmetics because that has some negative associations. Mm -hmm. But as a branding person or as a namer, you're going to say, oh my gosh, that's not a big deal. As a matter of fact, that's an advantage. The fact that it has some of those other meanings makes it worthy of conversation. And so it might spread like wildfire on Twitter or on TikTok or on Facebook or on Instagram, whatever, 
And some people won't like it, but a lot of people will find it interesting. And before you know it, everybody's heard of it because the name's a little bit edgy. Those types of names in general are not the kinds of names that AI is going to come up with also. They'll mm -hmm. tend to come up with the safer names because you know they'll, they'll do the survey of all the existing names out there. There are these natural language models, so they'll look a lot of you know mean, meanings that are similar to other names, and they won't necessarily come back with things that are a little bit edgy or a little bit different, a little bit out of the box. So that's another reason we like that strategy. Yeah, you sent us a list, I remember the other week, of these AI name generators that are coming up and about, and it seems like a lot of them were fairly repetitive in what they were offering or didn't do very thorough trademark screenings to making sure the name is available. So there are a lot of different caveats or um, issues that come up in the name storming process um, that I think those AI platforms kind of take for granted um, instead of yeah. necessarily engaging a consulting firm. Yeah, the biggest thing you mentioned, Adelaide, which I think most people understand, but they don't understand how hard it is today versus even a couple of years ago, yeah. is legal availability, right? We don't give any client a name that we've not pretty thoroughly screened mm -hmm. for trademark issues, the federal level, the state level for global clients in different countries around the world, yeah. uh, web hits, all that kind of stuff, because so much is taken. And that is a huge problem with the, even the generative AI models, the quote generative AI models, who knows if they really are or not, because they're still coming back to you with things that are constructed from, that are built off of stuff that's already out there. And so it's just, you know, full of, of trademark infringement issues, right? And so using tools like that without doing a very thorough vetting before you have the presentation and get the team all excited about something, only then to find out a week or two later that your legal is going to nix it, it's just, you know, wasted effort and everybody's frustrated and a lot of money spent that didn't need to be spent. So I think that's a huge point. And it's only becoming more and more challenging as these AI name generators get better and better at generating, quote, good names that are very similar to other existing names that are registered trademarks by somebody. And in a future episode, I know we'll be getting into the issues that come with global trademark screening as opposed to domestic and where you can run into all sorts of issues there. But can you walk through maybe a couple of specifically maybe listener beloved brands um, and how you think that these brands have accommodated their name or best invested in their names to become the companies or names that we know and love like Apple and Google um, I know IBM you've used as an example is kind of controversial, but um, never really asked about in those couple, those three letters, there's a little confusion hiding in those last two, but can you walk through a couple of those modern day examples? Yeah, there was a study done years ago about the top five brands, most recognized brands in the world. And mm -hmm. Coca-Cola was one of them, of course. And then you think about it from a, well, let's be critical, right? Let's let's approach it from why might Coca-Cola not work? And I think the obvious association is chocolate, right? Coca equals chocolate. And so you would expect a chocolate flavor and you try Coca-Cola and there's no, in my opinion, there's no hint of chocolate at all. So that name's a bit of a misnomer, right? And so one of the one of the rules, as a matter of fact, one of the regulatory requirements now in many countries around the world is if you are 
implying a particular ingredient in, in a name, it better contain that ingredient or you can't use the name. And, and so you might even run into regulatory issues. If you try to call a new beverage Coca-Cola today and the FDA or somebody will come after you and say, well, where's the Coca, right? Where's the chocolate? Now, maybe it has Coca in it. I don't know. But that would be an example of a name that, and nobody ever thinks about that way, again, because it's been out there. Um, another name is McDonald's, right? Obviously, McDonald's is a well-known brand, you know, probably the premier fast food chain. Yeah. But if you thought about that as a brand new name, you might have associations with the children's nursery rhyme. Old McDonald had a farm, E-I-E-I-O. Well, why would you name a hamburger joint or even a really cool fast food chain after a children's nursery rhyme, right? What does it have to do? It doesn't have anything to do with it. And, and so it's some of those paths that if you go down, if you ask the question, what's wrong with the name? You open up a can of worms. You just don't want to open up, yeah. at least at the beginning of the process. I'm not saying at some point during a, a name development journey that you don't want to consider that. I think it's a valid question. But what's so important is when you ask that question, and you certainly don't ask that at the beginning, or names like Coca-Cola and McDonald's or Apple or Google or IBM, those all of the top five that were mentioned, they all have pretty glaring errors that, you know, if you'd gone down that other path, you would have quickly identified and probably thrown the name off the table. Wow. Yeah. You would never really think, and that brings us back to a conversation we had a couple weeks ago with... Um, the negative, no negative comments at first. You have to talk about your favorite names and then you can kind of build into, well, concerns you may have. Um, but I think that's just a wonderful rule that um, a, a lot of leaders from these major companies, Apple, Google, McDonald's would support and um, wouldn't think much about at first. Uh, well, thank you so much for getting into this topic. The I'll know it when I see it dynamic with a lot of our clients. And they first come to us um, next week. Join us as we talk a little bit about the personal, the personable nature of um, our business, thinking about relationship building and how it isn't necessarily a tactic, um, but you won't want to miss this one. Thanks, Mike. See ya. Bye-bye.